Welcome back to another episode of Checkered Past and Present. We're coming off the much-anticipated Chicago Street Course Race weekend. There's definitely a lot to unpack from it. So what's your opening review of uh, the Chicago Street Course, Brett? Well, Jonathan, I'll tell you. You know, I, I really feel like I, I was talking to some, some of my other NASCAR friends and, and before we recorded today, and I said, you know – 25% of a race, and, and I'll see if you agree with this, 25% of a race is made up by its finish. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Somewhere around that one, you know, put in, if there was a formula of how you judge a race, I would say 25% of it, of its merit would probably be off the finish. And that yesterday was about as good as a finish as you'll ever have. Um, I mean, it was amazing. SVG, Shane Van Gisbergen, we'll refer to him as SVG in this podcast, him driving from 16th. Um, to first, uh, able to outrun and outlast champions of the sport. And, again, it, it is a brand-new track. He is a supercar guy. This is what he does for a living. But not to take anything away from him of that with those caveats is that he – this was his first time in this car, first time in the modern era that we had a guy win in his cup debut. Um, I mean, it was really amazing for the sport, I think, and obviously the fans thought so as well. This is the highest-rated NBC race since 2017 um they got over 4.5 million viewers yesterday if i'm not mistaken and i actually read a tweet earlier that said that's about 130,000 less than the indy 500 had this year so one of the most popular it was the most popular sporting event of the weekend and one of the more popular races we've had in the, in the calendar year 2023 i think it was an awesome day for nascar now as far as the racing goes we'll dive more to that later but I, it was an awesome day for the sport i think it definitely was a great day for the sport. It got a lot of eyeballs on the sport, and that's the best thing that's came out of this. I do believe the finish impacts the overall energy level of excitement towards this race. But I will admit, overall, the racing on the track was better as a whole than I expected. And I could argue, and I hate to admit this as much as I talked bad about this track beforehand, I'd argue that it put on a better race start to finish than Sonoma did, in my opinion. I agree. Absolutely. I think that, again, I don't think that these 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 cars are meant to be on a street course. I just think they're too bulky. I don't think stock cars are meant to be on it. Um, but I think at times yesterday that you did see good racing. Sonoma was very boring this year. Um, you know, I, I would argue, I honestly make the argument that Coda was a better race than Sonoma. Sonoma was just a really – not a good race this year. Um, but And, again, there's still stuff they need to work out with this street course. But SVG, man, I mean, we didn't even know his name last week. And for him to – well, we couldn't even pronounce his name last week. You know, you and I actually talked on here. We were trying to see who was even going to run that 91 car. And then he comes out and surprises us all. And like you said, the racing was probably better than anticipated. It still wasn't good, in my opinion. And from what I've seen, a lot of people agree. But what SVG was able to do was absolutely amazing, and I think that's why a lot of people came away from the race pleased. Yes, and there's no doubt it was incredible. And another thing that you can't get lost in this, hey, Trackhouse just continues in only their third year to bring race-winning cars to the track. And that is a part-time team. That just makes the whole thing more impressive. It ain't like this team is out there every week just with different drivers. This is only the third race for this team going back to Washington Glen last year. Yeah, and I, and I don't I don't want this to sound as a dig to Kimi Raikkonen, 
I, this is really kind of a a praise to Shane Van Gisbergen is the fact of the matter that he comes out here and wins in this race. And, again, it's a race to where nobody had any data going in the hand either. I, you know, it, it's, it's both sides here. Very impressive what he did yesterday. And, again, I think it's great for the sport. But also, you got to look at both sides of it. He does run supercars. He does – he, he uh, again, nobody had data for this. Um, this was exactly to his type of racing. But he'd also never driven an X-Gen car. So there were two two folds to this for him. Either way, it's very impressive. But what I will say is that we've seen how Kimi Raikkonen has ran in this car um, and his two starts in it, which has not been well. Um, but what, again, what SVG was able to do yesterday for me now makes me want to see him in Oval. Um, it really does. And, you know, he said in his post-race his post race interview yesterday, he's got one more year in supercars, and he'd love to come over here and drive stock car full-time. So, again, makes me really, really want to see what he could do at a mile and a half, uh, a super speedway, uh, a Bristol track, you know, see what he could do on a short track after that performance yesterday. Because, like you said, he's getting really good equipment, obviously, um, that has not been shown when Kimi Raikkonen is, is driven it. Uh, and that's no offense to Kimi. Again, he, you, he could be on your Mount Rushmore all-time F1 drivers. That's just really – complimenting Shane Van Gisbergen. He deserves the compliment because this is probably the most impressive thing that we've seen as far as early success since Jamie McMurray in 2002 winning a Charlotte in his second career start, filling in for the injured Sterling Marlin at that time. Right. And the one benefit I will give SVG compared to Kimmy, though, is just the cars that he's used to running are a whole lot closer to these than a Formula One car. But Either way, for him to come out there and just do what he did yesterday is impressive. They were, I was listening to uh, Speedway with Dave Moody on Sirius XM today, and they said there were three different laps in the final 10 that he was over a second and a half faster than anybody else in the top 10. Yeah, I saw that. When when he was running down Justin Haley and Chase, he was running a minute 29s, and they were both running a minute 31s. That is absolutely crazy, as close as this sport is now. Yeah, but, especially uh, in the next gen car, especially. Uh, no doubt. And I would love to see what he does if he runs an oval. But as far as sponsorship opportunities and things like that, winning that race definitely ain't going to hurt his chances to come and run some more. And don't forget, now, again, I know Monster is a big sponsor, a big, big corporate partner of the sport. So that's why I precede to say this. SVG is a Red Bull guy. They're going to back him wherever he goes. Um, and like you're saying, American sponsors are obviously going to jump on board if he did want to come over here in 2025, which would be the earliest he would, um, obviously, race in the Cup Series full-time. But Red Bull is already backing him. So if Red Bull wanted to get back in, in NASCAR, it, it, this is a perfect chance for them with, with SVG. And, again, like you said, it's nothing to take away from SVG. It's just to note, first time at this track, he is used to supercars. But still, nonetheless, winning in your Cup Series debut, I don't care if you've been to Daytona 472 times, but you've never been in a Cup car and you won in a Cup car in your Cup debut. Still impressive because you're driving against some of the best in the world. And, and again, I don't, I agree with you. But, you know, moving on just, just beyond SVG, Jonathan, uh, Kyle Larson, good points today. Chase Elliott continuing to try to point his way into the playoffs. Finally had some Fords running back up front. Uh, one of your guys that we talked about, two of your guys we talked about last week, Austin Sendrick and Michael McDowell finishing sixth and seventh, respectively. Uh, my favorite driver, Joey Logano, eight. Ty Gibbs, we talked about him, 
continuing to finish around the top 10 finish ninth. And then Chris Buescher continues his reign of dominance on uh, road courses as he finished 10th. He now has eight straight top 10s on road courses. Yeah, and I, after we finished last week, I I thought we underplayed Chris Bush after I thought about it because neither one of us brought up he had seven straight top 10s at that point. And how we let that slip through the crack, I don't know. But he, like you said, he just continues it. But I will go off of something else. I'm going to go look down at the 17th place finisher of A.J. Mm. Armendinger. He was able to make the final 10 for qualifying, but were predicting him to be the best thing since sliced bread this weekend, <laughs> and it just never happened, man. Yeah, you know, he, he got to the top 10 um, a couple times, and I, I, I don't want to misquote – misquote myself here, but I, I'm pretty sure he, he got as high as eighth, if I'm not, not mistaken. I know he definitely was running ninth or tenth at one point, but I think he got as high as eight. Could have got higher than that. Um, but like you said, he just, due to cautions and pitch strategy and whatever else, just was not able to drive through the field. And again, seeing what SVG was able to do, going from 16th to first, obviously he showed it was possible. And so, again, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but it was kind of a letdown for A.J. Allmendinger yesterday. Uh, you know he has to feel the same way because everybody was picking him. He was the co-favorite as far as betting odds if you're a betting person with Kyle Larson headed into the weekend. And the he struggled to make the final round of qualifying, which was a shock to me. He just looked like he never felt confident on the course and – but it just goes to show, other than a few weeks like last week at Nashville, colleague this year, compared to last year, the cup program just don't seem to have quite the speed because A.J. was contending more often when he was just part-time in that car. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, and we saw Chandler Smith run at Richmond, and Chandler Smith outran both Justin Haley and A.J. Allmendinger. So maybe it's not necessarily the equipment that you got out there, rather the guys in it. And again, I, I don't mean that rudely or, or anything else, but Justin Haley's never impressed me. Uh, Almondinger again, he's a road course ringer. Every, anytime you go to a road course, he's going to be a guy that you look at. Um, and, and obviously you think he's probably going to win. But besides that, I mean, he just won his first oval race ever in the his, in his NASCAR um, career when he won at Nashville a couple weeks ago and across any series, um, if I'm not mistaken. So, or excuse me, he, he has won one others, but I, I think he, that was his first intermediate win. Um, I know he's won some short tracks, but it never won an intermediate um, oval race. And, and so, again, AJ is a great race car driver, but I just think that uh, I don't think it's necessarily the equipment, but rather the guys in it, in my opinion. If you look at AJ's history, it's hard to argue because he was in the cup for a long time. People seem to forget that he was in cup. His rookie year was in 2007, and I, he ran full-time, I think, through 2018 before mm -hmm. he went to part-time expanding to a colleague and eventually becoming full-time. Now, I believe he has meant a world to that team, but you look at his whole career, it's been the same as it is now. Real threat on road courses. Ovals are good days, a top 10, between 8th and 10th for him most of the time, it seems like. I would agree. And the guy that I really, you know, Jonathan, we really talked about yesterday was the guy that finished in 18th. You know, Christopher Bell was classic field. I mean, he was able to run down Tyler Reddick early yesterday. And then 
now we're going to get to what we really want to talk about. I know what really had you in a frenzy yesterday. It's kind of a twofold here as we'll set it up. So I think it was lap 39. They have a caution come out, which ends stage two. Stage two would have been at the end of lap 40, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And so we have a caution come out. Now, Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Justin Haley, Chase Elliott, and among others, had already pitted around lap 32 when the previous caution had come out because they were banking for, obviously, NASCAR was not going to be able to finish the race. Roddy Childers said, we're banking on making it to lap 82 because we don't think NASCAR run past there. And, again, I think it was a process of a lot of other teams are going through. So then those guys pit on that pit stop, lap 32, thinking they can make it 50 more laps possibly go that long. Um, again, along with Justin Haley and a few of those other guys, Justin Haley had actually already pitted the previous pit stop. So he was the longest um, running car out there, if I'm not mistaken, at finishing the top five yesterday. The so other – Go ahead. The other key player that stayed out went, was Austin Dillon until he wound up having his problems. Right. So then those guys pit around lap 32. I had the caution come out of lap 39, end of stage two. While we're in the middle of the pit cycle, during the caution flag, NASCAR and race control come over the radio and say, we're racing lap 75. That's going to be the end of the race. And (laughs) a lot of crew chiefs are not happy, specifically Christopher Bale. Uh, I mean, his team, as there was a quote on the radio, I I won't say exactly what they said, but they blankety blank messed us up. Just, just they messed us up, but he didn't say mess. Um, and so he got back there, got shuffled back, and then we had the pile up that happened. And uh, what was that turn eight, where it was just traffic part. And Beasy, I know you have some, or Jonathan, I know you have some very passionate thoughts on this. Yeah, and as the people that have listened to this podcast in the past, you know I'm a Larson fan. I get on here. I, I'm i not biased. But in the moment, I said a lot of things that cannot be said on this podcast. And me and W, me and Brett was texting back and forth, and he knows how I was feeling. You cannot change the distance of the race once pit cycles have stopped, started, in my opinion. It is just crazy that they would do that. And here's my problem with the street going back to having a street course period to where you're in a time crunch trying to get the race in because I know they want to get the roads back open as fast as possible. The thing I do not like about this mainly is that you started a race knowing that you was not going to finish it. Right. But instead of changing it beforehand, you wait till you're in the middle of a pit cycle. And this goes back to last year at Daytona, the year before that, New Hampshire, with the officials just making obviously idiotic calls, in my opinion. Those two involved rain. And we wound up having at New Hampshire, Kyle Busch and Martin Trace Jr. wreck running one-two. And then we all saw the 20-some-odd car pilot last year at Daytona because of an officiating mistake. Now, obviously, this was not as egregious. And to be fair, though, SBG pitted with Kyle Larson, Christopher Bale, and was able to drive back up and win the race. But it is still not the right call. You should be able to officiate in a way that is 
fair to all the competitors. You knew that we wasn't going to get there. You shouldn't have waited that long to call it. And one other thing, Brett brought up the pileup that we wound up having. I do not understand how Kyle Larson restarted, and this goes for uh, Christopher Bell, too. I do not know how either one of them started buying Kevin Harvick, Corey LaJoy, or Eric Amarola. All three of them was the cause of the caution. Mm-hmm. And they really, gave Corey them, LaJoy in, in particular, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but go ahead. Yes. But they gave all three of them their spots back. They went back to the previous scoring loop. And that's just unacceptable. And Ross Chastain cleared the wreck. He didn't even get held up in it. He would have restarted eighth in that race. Mm-hmm. But they moved him all the way back to 22nd. The rule is you're supposed to maintain caution speed, pace yep. speed. So there was a lot of officiating issues that really bugged me. I've calmed down 24 hours later, but in the <laughs> moment I was ill and there was, I was just. There was a lot of crew chiefs that was angry like me and a lot of other fans, I'm sure. Well, according to the, the TV broadcast yesterday, I'm glad you brought up scoring loop because according to the TV broadcast yesterday, the TV broadcast said it is determined by camera. I don't even think they had the scoring loop set up because they usually do a laser timing with the scoring loops and you have those set up at every track. I don't – again, don't quote me on this, but that's what the, that's what the TV broadcast said yesterday. During um, they were actually talking about the the caution where Van Gisbergen passed Justin Haley, but Justin Haley was ahead of him. They had to go back and they had to look at it on camera at the time of the caution. So it was almost old school in that sense yesterday. Um, and, and, and that's how I, butchered it. And my bad, Brett. No, you're good. And that's how I understood it too. But earlier, now he could be biased because he owns his car. But Justin Marks said they went back to the previous timing loop. Is where I got that info from. And again, they, again, I, I don't know if they were using laser timing or not, but like you said, it was a lot of confusion. Um, either way, yesterday uh, when, when that when that accident happened, and like you said too, I like the point you brought up. SVG did drive back through the field, but we also know on the flip side there how important um, track position was yesterday. And when you had it, saw Tyler Reddick drive out in front of the field big time. I know the rain tires were still on. Um, but then Christopher Bell wants to put the slicks on. He was clearly the class of the field when he had that track position. So just kind of begs you to wonder. Again, I'm not saying SCG would or would not have won, but it just begs you to wonder what if, if Christopher Bell would have been still up there in that top three because he had an incredible car yesterday. Um, and for him, by the way, he's made such great strides on road courses coming from a dirt background. Very impressive out of Christopher Bell, just to, just to give him some kudos. But, yeah, NASCAR's made some dumb scoring mistakes. This, for me, this – or not scoring mistakes, but dumb late-race decisions, I should say. This has been the dumbest ruling that they've had. What was it, 2019 New Hampshire? When yes. Eric Almarola was out front and they came over the race control because they, again, knew they were not going to make it to the end because New Hampshire didn't have lights. And they say, all right, it's 10 to go. Just, just, just ten to go. All right, it's ten to go, and I again can't do anything with NASCAR officiating. But did think that was stupid yesterday. But overall, just closing the book on the street race. I, I thought again it was a great event. You had a lot of new eyes on NASCAR. You had a lot of people in the city of Chicago who had new eyes on NASCAR. Um, I really hope that they don't go back to Chicago 
just the basis off of I felt like the course was way too narrow. Um, if you're going to do a street course, um, if at all possible, I'd like for them to go somewhere and, and maybe maybe try somewhere else next year, see if we could get a little bit better racing throughout the race. I know they talked about Montreal. I wouldn't necessarily mind that, uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously, that's TBA. I don't think they're going to announce anytime soon one way or the other. I don't believe we're going to hear anything else real soon either, but I would not be – I would not have a problem with Montreal just solely based on – because there's so many NASCAR fans in Canada. Mm-hmm. I believe they deserve a race. So, I, I would not have a problem with that if they want to try it. But the only thing I will – I know it's not going to happen. I mean, you talked about this yesterday. Can we please put it like in August, late July, and put Daytona back on before the July weekend? It just does not seem right without us being in – Daytona on Saturday night on Fourth of July weekend to me. It doesn't mean either. You know, I I grew up. I remember I got the red, white, and blue Elliott Sadler paint scheme when he drove the thirty-eight M and M's car, and I remember he he drove that like three or four straight years in a row at Daytona for the Fourth of July race. And I, I agree. I, it's just a core memory for me growing up. You know, going to my grandmother's house, going swimming, and then getting in the car. And, you know, listening to Barney Hall, you know, commentate the opening laps on July the 3rd, 4th or 2nd or whatever it would be. Um, so I, I really wish it – I really wish that, that we would go back to that. I, I agree with you. Just to close the book on the 4th of July weekend. Yep. And I guess now we can uh, – is there anything you think we need to point out as far as the points are concerned? You brought up Larson. He gained over 30 points because of Martin Truex Jr., Ross Chastain. Ryan Blaney and all those guys uh, having bad weekends. One guy I would like to point out, though, is Kevin mm-hmm. Harvick. He was sitting third or fourth in the points, if I'm not mistaken, way above the cutoff line. He is now done fell to sixth and is only a few points ahead of Kyle Larson at this point. The last two weeks have hurt him bad, and they've got to get it turned around pretty quick. He is only two points ahead of Kyle Larson for eighth. They need to get it turned around because they have not proven they can win this year, so they cannot afford to keep having these bad finishes. So they need to hope they survive this coming week at Atlanta. Now, while I agree about winning and about points, he would have been in contention to win in March at Atlanta if not for a guy named Ross Chastain. So they, they were strong there in March. I think that if Kevin is going to win a race in his in his final season, it, it could potentially be this weekend. I know we hadn't got there yet, talking about Atlanta, but I think this could be a really good weekend for him. I think he'll recover regardless. Um, I think it's a top ten, unless he gets caught up in something. Um, they're really good at Atlanta. What what I'm very happy about is Joey Logano finishing top ten. You know, Paul Wolf made a big-time gamble. It felt like it's time. Um, as a lot of crew chiefs did, bringing Joey down. But he knew once you got caught back in that traffic, Joey is an okay road racer, but he's not as good as your top road racers in the series and obviously not as good as SVG was yesterday. So he knew the only way that Joey was going to have a good finish and a good point set was to get him back in the top ten. So I was happy he was able to do that. Um, I was also happy that we didn't have a new winner in the sense of a new full-time winner this year because uh, that would have just added one more guy. That also means that now Ty Gibbs with his points day yesterday, he is now in the playoffs if the season ended or the regular season ended after yesterday. Um, six points above the cut line above Daniel Suarez, who is now out of the playoffs. Um, so 
again, really, really happy to see that. Bubba's still in the playoffs. Um, BK, Chris Butcher, and Kevin Harvick also in the playoffs. So, again, a lot of guys running consistent this year in the age of winning. Um, it's still meaning something. So, uh, Martin Truex, again, he, he was fast all weekend. Just didn't quite, in my opinion, have that speed once they got in the race. Um, and also just got involved in a lot of wreckage. He, he finished one lap down in 32nd, but he's still your points leader. So, again, very excited to see how Atlanta plays out and how the points continue to shake out. Yeah, I look forward to it, too. I think the only person that had more problems yesterday than Martin Truex was probably Noah. <laughs> yeah, he kept getting trolled by the Baconator on television. Yeah, the turn six was not friendly to the poor kid this weekend. How but many times did he hit it? Three or four? I, I three that brought out cautions, and I think there was two more where he didn't get stuck under the barrier. So five? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That was poor fella. Yeah, I, I feel bad for him. But it's one other thing that I want to touch on the points real quick before we move on to Atlanta is the guy that is sitting only 10 points out, Michael McDowell, took huge mm. advantage with that top 10 yesterday on these guys. And he, it is impressive to me that that team is that close to being in on points. They've never been that close on points at this point in the season. To my knowledge, they did make the playoffs in 21, but that was because he won the Daytona 500 and was locked in. Well, he did say yesterday, um, I watched his post-race interview on Peacock, he did say yesterday that he feels very confident they can point their way in. I know he felt confident about winning the race, according to Jeff Burton going into yesterday. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's extremely interesting between Suarez, Bubba, Ty Gibbs, Michael McDowell, um, RFK, all those guys that kind of sit, you know, right around that cut line. Um, Austin Dillon as well. Austin Sendrick, who had a good run yesterday, finishing sixth. Um, and obviously Chase Elliott being the biggest name out of the bunch, he, he and, and Alex Bowman, obviously those two being due to that they missed time. All of those guys we just named, if they don't win, they're going to have to run very, very, very consistent as we finish out the regular season. I also want to point out one thing we haven't talked about yet, and knock on wood, because um, it did happen to him here last year. Corey LaJoy, the only full-time driver without a DNF this year. Yep, that is impressive. And if you listen to him talk, that was a goal of theirs coming into this year because they did math on it. They would have finished 20th in the points last year if you'd have took away their nine mechanical failures. Mm -hmm. So that team has looked at that real hard and worked on their durability, and Corey has worked on not falling out of a race. Now, they did. The team has one DNF because of the brake failure at Gateway. But Corey was in the nine car that weekend. The team, But either way, for that team to only have one failure to this point of the season is really impressive. Correct. And now, Corey does sit 23rd in points. Um, but I, you got to figure, if he, he if he keeps on um, finishing races, that's only going to climb up as we move forward. Well, he's going to be a big part later on in the episode from my perspective. But, All right, let's get on to it, man. It sounds like we got to go to the ATL then. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, and then I'll give my opinion of it. What's your opinion of the new version of Atlanta that we are now about to run our fourth race on? Well, I will tell you this. i got a story for you. I'm glad you asked. Never been to a super speedway race. Um, before March of 2022, I had only been to Bristol, Charlotte, Darlington, 
Um, I think that's it, if I'm not mistaken. And I've been to a lot of races at all three of those. So I say that to say this. I went to Atlanta in 2022. Um, that was my first race at it at Atlanta. It's also my first race. That was also the first race of the repays. And, you know, I grew up watching Atlanta my whole life, right? I, I remember, you know, the, the great finishes, the great battles. One of my favorite childhood memories was Carl Edwards beating Jimmy there in, in 2005. Um, so I, I remember all those great Atlanta finishes and the great racing we had at Atlanta. And I was kind of looking forward to that. And then you go in 2022, and William Byron won that day, but it had nothing to do with William Byron winning. It just was a – it was a flat race, um, it was cool because of the repave and you had all this buzz around it. And obviously for me, my dad was at the first race of the last repave in 97 when they put the dog leg in it. So it's cool to be there with him. My other buddy who was with us, he was at the last race the year before the summer before. So he was at the last race of the, before the repave. So all of us had kind of witnessing history together at the first race of the repave. And it just was, I mean, it's not regular super speedway racing. You know, the first two stages is follow the leader. It's not a whole lot of passing. Green flag pitting is very interesting if they do the same thing they did in March, which I assume they'll do, where you have to come on pit road on the back stretch, right, going into three. But mm-hmm. for me, I I just – I don't I don't want to say I don't like it, but I will say I was more intrigued by Chicago. And we know I don't like street courses. I was more intrigued by Chicago than I am for this Sunday, I guess is the best way to put it. Well – I'm looking forward to this weekend, but one quick note. I was also at the last race on the old uh, surface with Kurt Busch winning, beating mm-hmm. out his brother. That was, I was glad to be there. Um, I wanted to go to the first race last year. Couldn't make it happen. But what I'm interested in, and I think you're going to start slowly seeing it with the abuse that a track service takes in Georgia during the summer. You see little pieces of it here and there. I cannot wait for this track to age. I don't think it's there yet because I think it's going to eventually turn into kind of like Daytona was when me and you first started watching. It's the big packs, the first 10, 15 laps of the tires start wearing out and it starts sliding. I think that's the future of Atlanta. I think so too. I agree. And I think it's going to be really awesome. And I'm hoping maybe we'll get a slight preview of that this weekend. I do like it being under the lights. I wish it was Saturday night, though, not Sunday night. Yeah, but, I, I'm tired of NASCAR doing these Sunday night races. That's a whole other uh, rabbit hole to go down, but I, I'm tired of doing that. And quickly, to your point about the aging, they also have motocross in Atlanta every April on the front stretch. So hopefully mm-hmm. that'll help the surface age a little bit more. <laughs> hopefully so. But my opinion of it is, unfortunately, like you say, the first, Two stages. That's pretty much follow the leader. You may get a couple of lines going. But I think we saw the best this track has to offer the last 20 laps of the spring race this year. That was by far the best stretch of laps on this new sir uh on this new track configuration that we've seen with uh Joey Logano and Brad Kozlowski battling it out. But it's also we talk about they just run single file or double file. Part of that may not be on the track, because that's kind of what we're seeing at Daytona and Talladega, too. Track position is king at the Speedway races, and the same is for Atlanta. I'm just hoping the heat makes them slip and slide a little bit more. 
and changes it a little bit, but we'll see. But I do expect to see some of the same guys battling for it that we've seen every time so far. The Fords, Corla Joy, Chase Elliott, I think will be a factor. But you could very easily wind up getting that surprise winner that could affect the playoff grid enormously. Well, I, I got I, I got my picks in mind. If you want to go ahead and do that, I mean, I, I I've had my picks in mind probably for, and they haven't changed. It, it'll probably be the same picks every time they go to Atlanta now. Um, again, I agree. Corey LaJoy will be in contention. He's not the guy I'm necessarily going to pick, but I think he will be in contention. But I am I am extremely confident now. Unless they get caught up in something, all three of these guys will run top ten, and I'm 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 also willing to say one of them will probably win, but you can never be sure. Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, or Chase Elliott. And those are my picks for this weekend. Again, Chase won this race a year ago. Brad, if not for getting out driven by Joey, um, would have won in March. And Bubba runs up front, it seems like, every time we go here, just cannot finish the job. And it's kind of been the same thing. We talked about that last week, but he's ran so well on the Atlanta repaint. And I think it's only a matter of time before he puts a complete race together and wins one of the two here um, in Atlanta. I just I just don't think you count any of those guys out. Again, I think Joey will be strong. I think Ryan Blaney will be strong as well when you talk about Ford. Um, but but those three guys, um, and, and even Chris Buescher too. Again, Chris was strong in March. Uh, they, they ran one-two for a good portion of that race, or K did. So really looking at – I think Ford gets a win this weekend is what I'm trying to get at. And, Lord, I need it for, for my mental sense. They only got two this year. But I, I really think Ford gets their third win of the year. But if not, I, I really been believing in that 23 or that uh, that nine car. Well, those are all good picks for sure. And only unlike last week, only one of ours is going to be the same this week. Okay. Ford, I'm with Keselowski. He, he lost that race. In my opinion, Joey outdrove him, but Brad lost the race. It wasn't – I don't think it was that Joey made some great move. I just think Brad failed to make the move necessary. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he lost it, and I don't believe he'll do it again. Toyota, I'm going with Bubba's boss, Denny Hamlin. Okay. I like that. He's always strong at Speedway-type racing. And it's been a couple – we're on a little bit of a stretch of him not winning, and usually once you get in that, you may go four or five of these types of races without him winning, and then he'll – three of them out in a row it seems like it's about time for him to show back up chevrolet i would love to go with my boy larson but speedway racing he can be running he could be leading 500 feet from the checkered flag and finish 30th that's just his (laughs) kind of look at speedways so i'm not going there i'm going with the upset and i am picking him to win this race this is my favorite twin he's gonna upset the playoff grid corolla joy in the seven wow wow that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a it's a very hot take, but it's really not. Um, a lot of people won't say this because a lot of people love Chase Elliott, and I don't even know if you agree, but Chase dumped him last year, and well, I think did. if Chase races him cleanly, Corey LaJoy should have won Atlanta last year. So I don't hate to pick it off. Yeah, he was one lap away. He has been in contention in every one of these races. He was right there in the back part of the top five in the spring race. Just mm-hmm. wasn't no hole to go nowhere. And I just feel like it's his. It's kind. Of, it's the same thing as Michael McDowell. Every time you go to Talladega and Daytona, he is in the mix. And finally, things went his way in 2021. Mm-hmm. Eventually, 
it's going to happen for LaJoy, and I don't see why it can't be this weekend. Well, I don't I don't really have an opinion on Corey either way. I, I You know, we've talked about it uh, extensively. I think that he may be a little bit overhyped because, for me, I've never seen anything that he's done that warrant I – don't, I don't see him out driving his equipment and short. But I'll say this. If he can win in that seven car on Sunday, I would like to see what he could do in what we call four or five-star ride. I would love to see him get in the 21 car. I'd love to see him perhaps if Junior uh, came into the Cup Series. I'd love to see Corey get a shot there. I'd love to see him get a shot um, in, in maybe a, a third 2311 car, a, a, a better equipment than he's in right now. Um, if he's able to win in that seven car, I don't care if it is in Atlanta and in a quote super speedway type environment, you're still putting that car in victory lane. So if he if he's able to do it, I'll give him his kudos. But again, he's got to show me something more. Than what he's shown me just beyond super speedways, even even if he does win on Sunday. But I think that would warrant a chance in a better equipment. I believe he would deserve a chance too, and I'm pretty much on the same page with you. He hasn't proven on non-super speedway tracks that he can outdrive the equipment. But there has been several times where he's ran in the top 15, top 20, and I don't know – we don't really know if that equipment is top 15, top 20 equipment or he is outdriving it. Right. But, and I think the biggest blemish for him, though, not to cut you off, is Carson Hosovar yep. going out there doing what he did during the suspension week at WWT, and I know he blew the brake rotor. But dude was on his – dude was driving through the field. I mean, he, he was, like, borderline what SVG was doing. I mean, he was driving – he drove from, like, 27th to 19th in, like, 30 laps. So, he was driving through the field and then blows the brake rotor. So, that's the biggest blemish on Corey is that you got in the nine car that week. You finished 23rd, but the guy that was in your car was outrunning you when he was on the track and was going to outrun you by a large margin. Yeah, and I – Carson was definitely impressive that day. The only – just to defend Corey a little bit, to play devil's advocate. If you look at that race, the other hundred cars didn't run good either. Now, Larson wound mm-hmm. up finishing second, but for the first two-thirds, half of that race, he ran from 18th to 20th. And then they got the car up to where he was running around 10th, and then Cliff Daniels took two tires, and he wound up finishing second. Yeah, I mean, so. to your point there at WWT, play devil's advocate even with myself, when they went there in the next-gen car, albeit just two times now, it has been Joey Logano slash JGR domination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just that's who's ran up front. Michael McDowell led some laps last year. Um, Chase Briscoe even got up there and led a little bit last year. But this year, I think at one point, you had um, JGR running top four, and then Tyler Reddick was on fifth at one point. So, Toyota's just dominating there, and Joey – Joey had a good finish at WWT, if I remember correctly, again. So, uh, Chevrolet's has not been strong there. So, to your point, maybe not the best race to show off that um, for Corey, Corey. But, again, maybe you even need him to – I don't know, John. I, it, it maybe makes me even wonder, with that eight car opening up in Xfinity next year, should Corey go down to Xfinity, prove himself, win – you know, he'd have to win five races for me if I'm a cup owner win about five races in the Xfinity Series and go, okay, dude can seriously drive, and then you get a better ride. You said, I'm not – 
I'm not saying that wouldn't be a good option. I don't think it's going to be an option. Mm-hmm. I think Carson Hosevar is going to be in that car, and it's probably just waiting on the paperwork to come through with sponsors. <laughs> because you look at that Spire car, and air quote Spire car that he's been running in the Xfinity Series, when you see pictures of that thing in the building, it's right beside the 7, the 8, and the 1 mm-hmm. of Junior Motorsports. So it's it's a Junior Motorsports car. I truly believe that he's going to wind up in that car. But the idea of it, look at what John Hunter's doing. Right. I don't think it would be a bad idea for Corey, by no means, to do it. Because and that was John to my Hunter, point. No matter the yeah. opinion of him, whenever Truex leaves or Hamlin, he's just sitting there to take one of them slots. Mm-hmm. By basically, he did the same thing that you're talking about Corey doing. I don't think it'd be a bad career move. I just don't think it's going to be an opening over there for him, in my opinion. I, I think that's a good point. It just kind of – it just begs me to wonder, even if you kick Sam Mayer out of a ride, you know Corey's going to bring money with all the sponsorship that he has, and he's brought the Spire. It's just Corey going and running for junior, and then maybe Alex Bowman contract up, you can make that move to the 48. Kind of like talking about with John Hunter. You know, it, it was obviously a move that has worked out for John Hunter, being at front row, saying, all right, I don't want to do this. Now he takes two steps back in order to take one step forward, um, or three steps forward even, say. So, um, I don't know. Again, the clock's ticking on a guy like his career. I know he's only in his early 30s, but you look at that class that he came up with, the K&N series, Larson, champion. 75 greatest driver. Bubba Wallace has won two races running in top equipment. Um, Chase Elliott, we know what he is. Um, who else? Suarez has won a race running mm-hmm. in good equipment. Um, Brandon, or, you know, Brandon McReynolds, he's Ross's spider now, unironically. Yeah. Um, you just look at all those guys that he raced with, and they've accomplished so much more than he has even if it's just winning a race, they've, they've at least accomplished something at the cup level, and it's really due in large part because they're running in better equipment. You just want to see Corey running better equipment and then be able to say, okay, well, he just doesn't have it, or okay, it was because he was driving that seven car. Yeah, and him and Brandon, I would say, are the only two in that group that didn't get a real good shot at good equipment. And also in that group, Ryan Blaney, too. Yeah, I forgot. I, how could you forget about him? Obviously, Ryan – uh, I will say this. We're talking about guys contending in Atlanta this weekend, and this is my final off-topic hot take from Brett this week. I've seen a lot of people here recently, and I, and I hope you, me, and you, Jonathan, and you as the listener, not one of them. I've seen a lot of people ever since he's won the 600 and really this year in general trying to compare him to Casey Kane. Stop that. Stop that. Please stop that. Ryan Blaney is twice the driver that Casey Kane ever was. And a lot of people may be questioned, may be taken aback by that. Casey had 19 career Cup Series victories. He was on the 75 greatest driver list. But if you look at what Ryan Blaney has done in his career, especially before he got in the Cup Series, anytime he got a shot to jump in a, car, a truck for Brad or jump in an Xfinity Series car for Penske or anybody, he won in it. Or if he didn't win in it, he finished top three. What he's done in the Cup Series to this point and how good of a race car driver he is, no offense to him, miles ahead of Casey King. Miles ahead of Casey King. I would have to agree with you. And Kyle Petty's the one that started this whole thing, even before he won the 600. Mm-hmm. Kyle Petty started it back in the offseason. And I 
Ryan Blaney's going to be around for a long time, and he's going to win a lot more races. And right now, Ford is behind. And unfortunately, you being a Ford fan, you know better than anybody they're behind compared to Chevrolet and Toyota right now. Right. They are. It's just the truth. That's but a matter of fact. He is a championship-winning driver. And there's no doubt about it in my mind. Well, what's crazy is that if he doesn't get roughed up last year, you know, that, that round of eight, he makes a championship round. He had the best car at Phoenix last year. Let's just call it what it is, right? I'm mm-hmm. a huge Joe Logano fan. He's my favorite race car driver I've ever pulled for. It's like Larson and Jeff Gordon with you. Uh, he's probably out of all my favorite athletes out of every sport that I watch, and I follow him very closely. Joey's up there with my favorite athletes that I've ever pulled for. But Ryan Blaney had the car to beat at Phoenix last year. He just was a great teammate to Joey. I mean, that's just that's just a matter of the fact. There's plenty of times he could have passed Joey and he backed off. So to say that is to say this. Ryan Blaney could be a champion right now if he'd have made that championship four last year. And I think he would be a champion right now um, in, in this new format. So, again, I, I'm tired of the Casey Kane comparisons. Casey Kane, good race car driver, um, had a good NASCAR career, 75 greatest driver. I didn't think he deserved to be on it, but he was obviously put on it. But when it's when they do the 100 driver list, when they do the, the, the 100th anniversary in 25 years from now, it won't even be a question whether you'll put Ryan Blaney on it or not because he'll be a multi-time champion of the sport. That's all I'm saying. And, again, I rest my case on that. I know we got off topic from Atlanta, but that's something that just really bothers me. Uh, that is a real hot take. I don't know about a multi-time champion. But I believe a champion for sure. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, that is uh, – I don't really have any other hot takes this week. I vented about the officiating yesterday. <laughs> My blood pressure is good now. There we go. That's what we need. We needed to get lowered <laughs> back down. You're fired up. For good reason, though. For good reason. I was definitely fired up. I guess one thing uh, we need to talk about is nothing to do with the race. It's about the show before we close it out. Me and you have talked about doing – it's in the name, Checkered Past and Present. And there hasn't been no past-type episodes on the show for several months. So I just want to say, guys, in the next few weeks, you're going to start seeing episodes like that pop up. On We're going to do them on Fridays to give something to listen to throughout the weekend because all the popular NASCAR podcasts are done by then. And – uh look forward to discussing the history with Brett, and I think it'll be some fun topics we'll discuss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always had a quote, I actually used it in my final thesis presentation when I graduated college. Um, in order to understand the present of anything, um, the present being of it, you have to first understand the past. And I think that with a lot of fans coming in sport, um, and this isn't a knock on them, this is just the truth. They don't understand the history of the sport, even what has predated them even with birth. Um, And that's something I've always done, even stuff that happened before when I was born. Um, I think it's always good to understand it, and I'm I'm looking forward to this project. I am too. And just to put it lightly, me and Brett both are NASCAR nerds. So (laughs) you're going to have a lot of good content and information coming your way in the future. So – Brett, do you have anything else that you'd like to touch on before we close out today? Chicago Street Race was much better than I expected. I know we took a dump on it a lot last week. It was much better than I expected. Hopefully Atlanta will, will 
meet some of those same uh, same requirements for me. Hopefully, you know, I know I say I'm not really looking forward to it. Hopefully Sunday we'll come in and it'll be the best race of the repave yet. I share the same sentiments. I uh, hate that I bashed it so much, and I hate bashing some of the officiating rules because I love the sport so much, but I was glad I was wrong and it wasn't a complete snooze fest uh, like we were thinking it's going to be other than uh, some of the officiating. And it was just bad luck with the weather this weekend. For the, You can't help that. Right. If you want rain, bring NASCAR to sound. <laughs> if you're in a drought, bring us and we'll bring it to you. In Chicago, actually, unironically, had been in a drought. Um, <laughs> no. I don't know how long, but they had quite literally been in a drought before NASCAR came to town. They said on TV yesterday their record for July the 2nd was two inches. It had rained four inches by two o'clock yesterday. Yeah, they. I know we didn't talk about the rain too much. I really didn't want to talk about it because uh, that's what really bothered me yesterday was the start of the race and you just had zero grip. I think I texted you and I was like, this is just this is, this is is embarrassing for the sport. Yeah. Once we got past that, that was awesome. So those are my final thoughts again. I, I hope they can prove something for us this weekend. I look forward to Atlanta and I think it'll be a decent race. But there is one thing I want to say. Everybody, if you're praying kind of person, keep Jimmy Johnson and his wife and family mm-hmm. in your thoughts and prayers. If you're any type of NASCAR fan, you know what happened. I'm not going to go into details, but just keep his family in your thoughts and prayers. And uh, we will see y'all next week. Y'all have a great one.